Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest, a returning guest, uh, a good friend of ours we know from Comedy Sports Indianapolis, and she's a darling of the Indianapolis theater scene. Tracy Herring, how are you doing this evening? I am just great, as great as one can be while prepping for her first colonoscopy. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I've heard that's not pleasant. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so what is that? Do you have you? So I know you can't you can't eat or drink anything, right? No, starting the day before. So mine's at like ten thirty tomorrow, and so all day today I haven't been able to eat any. You can have a clear liquid, like vodka. Uh, uh, like we know, uh, <laughs> no booze. Um, but uh, and and any liquids just can't no like milk or anything like clear liquids. Um, and uh, nothing is red. Apparently, the red dye probably messes things up. So okay. Um, and so you start off by drinking four tablets of laxative, and then you drink like an entire gallon of um, Miralax. And Whoa. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's great. See, um, I would... Well, I drink half a gallon today and then half a gallon in the morning. And the effects are very quick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that it tapers off because I'm like, I'm supposed to take it again at five. And I'm like... <laughs> oh, it's like, the place isn't exactly next door. So this better be... there. Well, I guess ideally there's nothing left. You know, like the, the extra half is just to like a little... See, I think when when I have to when I have to do that, I'm gonna do my 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 exam colonoscopy exam prep day. Um, I think I'll try to schedule a marathon the same day. I'll try to run a marathon. Yeah, just see how that goes. I'm not doing anything because I'm so fucking hungry. Um, so hungry. Well, will you get to see the video of it? I hope so. Yeah. Damn it! I want to watch the whole thing. Um. <laughs> and we'll actually we'll be covering that video on our next episode of Headcam. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we've already Venmoed you, Tracy. So it's good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
this often, not to say. <laughs> <laughs> but so what have you been up to? I know we talked briefly a little bit before. You had a couple of theater things. You were you did uh, Lady Bits recently and then something at the IRT. How was that? Um, that was like every, um, you know, it, it, as one of the major theaters in Indianapolis, you definitely are excited. You know, I was the swing, which is like an understudy, but not fully. Um, you know, I don't just follow a, and memorize fully any of them. Um, you just kind of watch it and, you know, you have a copy of the script to get familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can go along with the script in your hand and um, all that kind of stuff. So there's no expectation that it's going to be a seamless uh, replacement kind of thing, which is which is good. Um, however, uh, yeah, I am not – and almost nobody ever goes on, right? Right. Um, so because I'm – loved by the Jesus, I was, uh, uh, just when I thought, like, the whole thing was over, um, and I was going to get paid to watch a show a few times a week, um, no, uh, someone got sick, so I ended up going on for, like, the last three days of the performance, um, and, yeah, like, you go on skates, you don't really remember the blocking that well, because they gave me a smaller version of the script that I didn't have my blocking notes in, right. and, um, and it was smaller, so yay, it was less bulky, um, however, um, they didn't, like, reformat it, they just shrunk the PDF pages, <laughs> so it was very much like reading, you know, a medicine label, right. um, <laughs> <laughs> And you were like, you were reading all your lines like side effects may include dizzy and not dizzy. It's not you. It was a hard, hard time sleeping. <laughs> Painful bladder. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. Um, you're like reading the was... back of your, you're reading the back of your Merrill like, oh, it's familiar. <laughs> my eyes are exactly. perfect for it right now. <laughs> so, um, exactly. Um, so uh, it was it was interesting. Um, it was a really great experience. The cast was super lovely and uh, super supportive. But at the same time, just you know, we have those nightmare dreams of like, oh, I have to go on stage. I don't know my notes. I don't know where to go. And oh, and the wig made me look like Imelda Marcos. So um, <laughs> that was. And so, was, so, it scary, was it scary when they told you like okay it's time you're gonna go on like was it like you thought you were prepared i was not prepared because i'd been preparing for another track from someone who they thought had uh, injured her foot and they weren't sure if she was going to be able to walk on it so i've been kind of putting this role out of this this other character you know press that aside yeah. so um but yeah she told me they found out like the night before I just woke up from a nap, so I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll do it. <laughs> They're like, oh, thanks so much for stepping up. I'm like, well, I did agree to do this. I mean, what was I going to do? Nope, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. hey, my, yeah, it's like when my son was, uh, when my wife was like, in labor with our son for like hours, and then suddenly the nurse goes like, okay, it's time to push. And my wife goes, what? Like, she was, like, not wanting to do it. It's like, well, we trained, and we went to all the classes, did all this work, and it was like, okay, ma'am, it's time to push. And she's just like, oh, no, what? (laughs) Dude, I have, like, like, I've, you know, I've gone through three pregnancies with my wife. I've seen three births. You know, I've been there for the whole process. Uh, That's, like, 
I don't think I could do that. Like it's uh, it's frightening to like think about like let it like having this child grow in your body, and then at some point you have to get it out. Like it has to come yeah. out. I that's yeah. that, that seems frightening. Yeah, yeah. But I guess for a, for a lady, maybe it's like it, it's just innately in them to be like, I need to birth this and love it. <laughs> Or else none of us would be here. <laughs> I uh, I, I mean, I think it's still probably scary, you know. I have never done that, but um, um, you know, lots of friends who have. I think towards the end, it's so uncomfortable. You just like just get this baby out of me, right? Um, but especially if they were pregnant in August or something. But yeah. um, yep. however, there's still that like, well, you can't put it back in, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got to come out somehow. where like if a baby comes out a little too small they can put it inside of, like, of a different lady <laughs> like microwave it I, uh, nuke it a little yeah, more but like <laughs> someone else <laughs> that would be really weird or just like or even, or just like put it like put it in a cow womb or like a horse womb or something for a little while just to finish so it, it off yeah. you know or your family dog yeah <laughs> <laughs> That would be awesome. Yeah. Like, look, you're really, you're really, you're, you're finally going to like pull your weight as a member of this family, you lazy canine. Well, if you have the dachshund, I mean, like if I ever get by like a Kroger, like lemongrass, it's really long. You take two bags and you put it over both ends. So if you took two dachshunds, you could, you could nuke, nuke a baby that way. <laughs> Put it, put it between two Dodsons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. You know what? This is—we're talking about the future of of science right here. The future of of of, of yeah. biology. Yeah. <laughs> we're making things happen. Yeah. I we also can just do. I, I mean, again, past uh, that ever being an experience, I will have. <laughs> Tracy, I want I want to thank you for coming back and doing this episode. We so we just so everybody listening knows we recorded an episode. Well, no, we didn't record. We we talked about a movie with you a few weeks ago. We covered The Wicker Man, two thousand six is The Wicker Man, and somehow uh, it didn't record. The you know the it the it got messed up. We didn't record it, which I feel very bad about. But I thank you for coming back on. And I like uh, Brent. Was this your idea to cover the old? Wicker Man, the 1973 version. Yeah, I figured we would have gotten to this idea. Yeah, yeah. So I think, <laughs> so yeah, so now, tonight, we're yeah. going to be talking about both versions of the Wicker Man, comparing and contrasting the, the 1973 and the 2006 Wicker Man, which yeah. I have to say, going back and watching the original Wicker Man, which I hadn't seen, I really enjoyed it. I really liked the movie. And I think it kind of shed some light for me on the 2006 Wicker Man and what they were trying to do, so. Yeah, I agree. They were definitely, it was like, you know, within the framework of a, of a similar story, yeah. but um, there was definitely uh, a different story trying to be told. Uh, yeah, with, yeah. With the stuff. 
yeah, they were try they were trying to do something. I don't know how successful they were, uh, but it's they were trying to do something, and you get a whole bunch of Nick Cage. So you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. Like Well, so, so Tracy is that, and that's, that's pretty much why when we talked about what movie we wanted to cover, I, I think Nicolas Cage was the main draw to talk about, to do the 2006 Wicker Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I had just seen the Nicolas Cage movie. Um, and, uh, uh, and during the pandemic, a friend of mine was living with me, Paige Scott. Um, and you know, every now and then, cause there was always so much to do during the winter times anyway, it was. Uh, we would just get on a kick of either a John Malkovich kick or something, and then yeah. one of my favorite movies, Con Air, and we're like, okay, obviously Nick Cage is next. <laughs> <laughs> right, you get Nick Cage and Malkovich in that one. Exactly. So, uh, and, you know, Nick Cage has uh, quite uh, a resume, um, quite a few IMDb credits, so that kept us busy for a minute. But this was not one that we got to. We, I forget which ones we did watch. Um, we got Vampire One and some other stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's, yeah, I've, I, and especially as I've gotten older, I've really come to appreciate Nick Cage, and uh, and I think one of our favorite episodes of this podcast that we've done, I know Brent and I uh, really enjoyed watching the movie Mandy and covering that yeah. on, on this podcast, so. That was a really good movie. Yeah. I, I saw a, a YouTube clip, like, yesterday of Nick Cage um, in Lord of War. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, like... It was a really good movie. It, 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 the movie begins with this whole thing of like where like a bullet comes from. And it's like the point of view of like a bullet being made and going through the assembly line of a factory and then like being shipped off and then like it's into some like third world country. It's going into the bullet. The bullet's going into the gun of like the, the guerrilla terrorist guy who shoots it. It's, but anyway, the scene was great. Um, Nicholas Cage is like a gun, a gun salesman, like, like a major gun dealer. Yeah. Goes to this like warlord in Africa, and is selling him this pistol. And the warlord guy like looks down the barrel of the gun, like points it at like a soldier, and just shoots the guy. And then Nicolas Cage reacts like a normal human. Is just like, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> and then the guy, the, the warlord, immediately points the gun at him. And Nicolas Cage, as the salesman, then goes, "I can't sell a used gun now." <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, his, was his like was his way to like get grips with reality again. You know. Yeah. Witness something horrific. It, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was great. You know that kind of, there was a similar movie uh, with Miles Teller and Jonah Hill, where, where they were like drug yes. runners, or uh, sorry, not drug gun runners and selling firearms. Um, uh, War Dogs. War I, Dogs. I saw that one a while ago, and it was really good too. Yeah, that yeah. was it was really good. Jonah Hill was like pretty great, yeah, as far as that. Oh yeah, he's yeah he's he's crazy yeah. talented. That guy. He, yeah. he. But you know, it also reminds me. I I can't think of the name of the song, but there's also a Pharaoh Monch song where he raps. He like I think he raps from the point of view of a bullet, and it's like very similar. It's like the 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 path the bullet takes before it like finally enters a person. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Nick Nick Cage and I and I like uh so you know the 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 general there are differences and there are similarities between the movie and I really like what they were trying to do with the differences but but just kind of a general overview is a policeman goes to this island in both movies there's a missing girl and he spends all this time on the island trying to find the missing girl and the locals are not helpful 
Uh, at first, they deny that the girl ever even existed, you know, and yeah. then and then in both movies, a bunch of weird shit happens. And then the tw- the twist at the end is that the girl betrays him. She leads him to his own execution, his sacrifice on behalf of their religion. And it's revealed that yeah. the entire movie has just been a plot. He's been manipulated the whole time to be sacrificed to their gods, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I like uh, so in the first movie, it's Sergeant Sergeant Howie, uh, played by a guy named Edward Woodward, who I I don't I didn't I didn't know that actor, but he he was in the TV show The Equalizer, which I'm also okay. I'm only familiar with that because I know Denzel Washington did a couple movies called The Equalizer, right? It was like a movie version of that show. But so what did you guys think overall about these movies? Anything, you know, any moment in particular that stuck out to you or just kind of your impression in general? Well, I, um, and now the, the, the Nick Cage version is a, a little out of my memory at the moment, but, mm-hmm. uh, so, but I, um, so the 73 version, I, and I don't know, maybe I would have thought it was stupid at the time, but I mean, now it was just so vintage that it was, very endearing. I mean, yeah. Harley is so young. Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> it was a little naturalistic. Um, it was, yeah, I don't know. I it, Well, it, first off, it takes place in Scotland yeah. um, versus here. And um, just everybody looks like a Scottish Bridget Bardell. Um <laughs> Right. Um, I don't know, like, did behind the green door just cut out or something? Because there was something a little... It was very 70s porn in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was definitely a greater emphasis on the, on the like, the sex and the nudity and the hedonism uh, in the 73 yeah. version. And I, th- I believe it was well-received at the time. And it's been, it's been well-received since then. I, I think uh, Christopher Lee calls it his greatest film, the best film that he's done. Okay. Yeah. And, and Christopher Lee, of course, is a, is a, that guy's had a wild life or had a wild life where he's obviously <laughs> Count Dooku from Star Wars, uh, Saruman yep. from Lord of the Rings. You know, he was Dracula. He so different. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It was cool to see a young, you know, a young Christopher Lee. Um, but he, interestingly enough, he and Britt Eklund, the woman who plays Willow in this, they were both yeah. in The Man with the Golden Gun, the James Bond movie. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah it was like Bond girls. <laughs> a lot of those people in there, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think I like the idea of, like, a, a quaint little, you know, countryside, um, and then just juxtaposed with something unexpected, uh, yeah. like, <laughs> No. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> well, and and I heard it described as uh, folk horror, which I, there were a couple. Like I guess there were a few movies around that time. And Brent, I've got a couple others on our list. One called Witchfinder General, and another one called The Blood on Satan's Claws. Which I haven't seen those movies, but I have them on our list to watch. Um, but I also think the movie Midsummer, like, really kind of fits in this folk <laughs> horror <laughs> genre. You know. Yep. So and I yeah, even, so you can't talk about these movies without also talking about Midsummer, like yeah, which is kind of I don't know. It's almost Midsummer was almost like what these movies wanted to be. Yeah, anyway, I'm just such a big fan. I don't know what you guys feel about that. 
Yeah, one. one. <laughs> no, I was saying, yeah, like they're both, they both have that, um, you know, you're in this sort of idyllic, uh, remote area. Um, everything's really being just kind of quaint and beautiful, and there's just, you know, and, you know, most horror movies or, or scary thriller movies tend to be, like, dark, and, um, and these are all very bright and out in the open, yeah. and. Yeah. So, underneath that things is that right <laughs> but yeah which I, I really i really like that i like the ability of a movie to be bright and sunny and still just fucking creepy as hell you know yeah yeah and i said and we'll, we'll talk about the 2006 wicker man a little bit more um but i think i said before the last time we talked about this when we didn't i didn't record it apparently um but my thought was kind of like the 2006 Wicker Man was if you had 10 seconds to explain Midsummer to a 14-year-old boy, right? And you were like, so the main character, he gets lured to this cult by somebody he loves. Everyone acts real weird because they want him to take part in this ritual sacrifice series, uh, ritual sacrifice festival. It's real sunny and bright the whole time. And he ends up in a bear costume, right? So it, like, if you had if you had to explain Midsummer to a 14-year-old boy real quick... Uh, I could yeah. see like the 2006 Wicker Man being like kind of the movie he might make, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. You're exactly right. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Another thought I had about the the 2006 Wicker Man was, and especially after watching the 73 Wicker Man, because the overall theme seems to be juxtaposing the main character's Christianity with the like pagan, like hedonistic religion of the people on this island, and the kind of the main thought seems to be at the end that they're both flawed, right? Whether you're, whether you're worshiping the Christian God or whether you're trying to, you know, worship this, this pagan religion, uh, they're both going to, to lead you to do terrible things to appease a God that you're fearful of. Right. So like Christianity, obviously people have done terrible things in the name of Christianity. And then the people on this Island end up sacrificing a man, burning him in a wicker man uh, because of their their superstitions, right? Yeah. Um, and so that kind of opened up. That was kind of a key for me to better understand the 2006 Wicker Man, which I like how they kind of flipped everything. And instead of a male like uh, patriarchal society, it's just like uh, you know matriarchal society where the women are all in charge. Um, and I thought there were lots of interesting kind of a mirror image there, but it does. I don't know. I get like men's rights activist vibes from the 2006 version. Tracy just dropped out. We'll have to wait for her to come back on. Yeah. Um, okay. But I, but I, I, I get vibes from the 2006 version. That's like, yeah, masculinity and patriarchy is bad if you have men in charge, but also if you put women in charge, it's going to be just as bad. And it's just as bad to, to like oppress men as it is to oppress women. And I don't know. It kind of takes that like religion versus paganism thing and sw flips it to like a uh, patriarchy versus matriarchy thing, which just feels a little like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't like, I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy that theme as much, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> you said it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish Tracy hadn't, I wish Tracy were here. Where'd she go? She, well, look, look, look like she froze for a minute. Yeah. Are you I, back? We we can't hear you very well. You sound your voice sounds very tiny. Oh. More tiny than normal. <laughs> it's like Hello? 
Yeah, that's way. Yeah, say something else. Hey guys. Oh, I'm that's back. that's perfect. Yeah. I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, we'll jump right back in. Um, I was just Tracy when you when you when you left, I was kind of just kind of giving Brent my overall feelings about both of these movies and how the first movie seemed to be like Christianity versus paganism and how you know they end up being just as bad, one as bad as the other when you put your faith in in you know put your faith in superstitions, you do silly things eventually. I kind of think is what that movie was trying to say. Um. Whereas the second movie flipped that into a patriarchy versus matriarchy thing. And it seemed to be saying that, oh, if you put men in charge, yeah, they do terrible things. But look, look what happens here when you put all women in charge. They do terrible things as well. You shouldn't depress men either, which doesn't do as much for me as a theme. (laughs) It's it's not as appealing to me uh, as the 73 movie. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I thought like, um, yeah, there was definitely at first it was a very Nick Cage coming in all toxic masculinity and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck you, man. Um, (laughs) I put me in a place in the end where I was like, yeah, that's what you get when you I didn't really see it as being like, oh, uh, you know, with a matriarchy, it being as negative just as bad as having guys in charge so much as um kind of just desserts for the the patriarchy (laughs) (laughs) well you know that's i i wanted to take it that way too but there i I don't know there were things in the movie that led me to believe what's what's that but yeah but yeah it was kind of creepy as well but i wasn't as i don't know i i think like uh it felt very much like, well, if you're going to follow your dick around, that's what's going to happen to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, see, and that's the thing. Like, yeah. Up to other little, I'm going to save the world. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah. And so that's the thing. I think the movie wanted you to feel, I don't know. I think that's, that's kind of how I took it too. I was like, well, yeah, you fucking, you ran in there. you like, that's what happens to you. But I don't know if the movie, maybe it did. I don't know whether it wanted you to feel that way or not, you know? Whether it was saying like, yeah, Nicolas Cage being tortured and burned in a wicker man is, is, you know, was the movie saying this is just desserts or was it saying like, you know, this is not a good thing, you know? I don't know if it was saying whether it was a good or a bad thing so much as men are easy, man. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Damn, you're right. (laughs) Good or bad, y'all are easy to to lure into some bullshit. So true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) but so just to talk about some more specific parts of these movies i liked in the 73 version one thing is he doesn't seem to be throwing his dick around quite as much as Nicolas cage first off because it seems like he has some actual authority like it seems like he got this letter maybe his trip to the island is sanctioned by the actual police department whereas in the Nicolas cage version he just like goes there on his own and he's like He's like, look, I'm the law around here. And everybody's like, no, no, you're not. Like, you're not at all. Yeah. You don't go here. No. Right. <laughs> you don't go to this high school. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but it, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the 73 is sanctioned by the government, you know, by the law enforcement to go there and that kind of thing. Um, but then he's just appalled by but you know i guess that might be a uk thing too i mean it's not it, it is a christian nation i mean it, it it does have an official church of england and everything so i mean 
I mean, I know in practice, yes, not like you can't be Jewish or Seventh Day Adventist or whatever there, but I, yeah, yeah, they don't quite. Yeah, they don't quite have the separation of church and state. I feel like maybe you know. Well, not that we do either, but we're we're supposed in theory. <laughs> in we're theory, there's you know, uh, but I like in this in the seventy three version. You know, one of the first thing like when he goes to that tavern, which is also like a motel or something, and you meet. In this version, he you know so in the in the Nicolas Cage version, he knows Willow. They had a relationship. It actually ends up being his daughter. But in the 73 version, that's not the case, right? He doesn't know Willow. Um, and so he meets Britt Eklund's character. And the first thing they do is, like, everybody in this tavern... Sorry, are you hearing a weird fuzziness now? I'm here. A plane just flew overhead. Oh, is that what it is? Nice. Sorry. It's gone now. No, that's fine. That's hilarious. Yeah, it's gone. Sorry. <laughs> it was Nicolas Cage landing in your backyard. <laughs> it was. Hey, it was and, like, on air, landing in your backyard. <laughs> he just bursts Cyrus, in. The virus is right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm the law around here now. I own your house. <laughs> but, uh, oh, but so he goes to, he goes to this tavern. And I also like in the 73 version, the fact that it's like basically a musical like, you know, like they wrote all these songs for it and there are songs throughout the movie. Um, but one of the first things is like in this tavern, all these guys are like hanging out and drinking and right in front of the, t- like right in front of the tavern owner, they start singing about his daughter, about how easy she is and how she makes men erect and like you, what you'll find between her legs. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, y'all like her dad is right there. Come on. <laughs> Dad's like, yeah, it's all right. It's true. <laughs> it's like a, they're all just a bunch of hippies, right? They're yeah, they're they're a bunch of hedonists. Old countryside people, but they're, they're I guess they are they're, they're pagans. Mm. Sort. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Sometimes you just got a pagan, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like also in the beginning something I kind of realized later was. Uh, when he's asking about Rowan, the girl who ends up, we find out is her sister is like talking about Rowan. And then, and then he's like, who, who, and she's like, yeah, she likes to run through the fields and like nibble cabbage. And he's like, wait a minute, who, who are we? And he's like, Rowan's a hare. And he's like, oh no, I'm looking for a little girl. And then later when they try to exhume the body and they look in her, there's a hair in there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was funny in the, in the Nick Cage version, it's a, what does he find a doll in her grave? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Which I man, I liked a lot of the things. I liked a lot of the choices they made, updating things for the Nicolas Cage version. I like the stuff with the the queen bee and the hive and all the bees. I love that as a thematic element. But yeah, overall, it didn't work as well for me. But I I like what they tried to do with it. You know. Um, I got bit more scattered i think this one i I think the 73 version was a lot um didn't get as weird but it definitely was a much more straightforward narrative yeah um, about what was going on yeah i could see that yeah and and you kind of had like uh well in the second one you had the explanation of like the sister summer summer's isle her ancestors were witches from the from the old world that came over and landed in salem they kind of tied it to the, to the Salem witch trials, right? Uh, which is what brought them further west. And then in this one, you know, Christopher Lee explains that his grandfather wanted to create new fruits and shit. 
Uh, so then they came to this, this, this island and that's when he, and it's, it's interesting how they were like, yeah, we came here and we gave the people back the music and the drama and the rituals and a love and a fear for nature and kind of how they used paganism to rekindle belief in these people and kind of tie them to the land and tie them to nature, you know? Um, which I, I don't know, this movie kind of like, and that's one thing I think we're missing a lot of people in modern society you know we're missing any kind of like ritual or tradition or any kind of real belief at all you know um even a lot of people who call themselves christian or whatever like you know they'll they'll exchange presents on christmas and they'll like you know carve up a turkey on thanksgiving but they're not actually like i don't know they're not actually like doing any shit they believe is is like real magic or anything you know what's up like more like a secular christian like yeah does the holidays yeah um yeah folk doesn't necessarily have spiritual belief or a whole lot of faith and, and that kind of thing that's that's a lot of people i guess especially in a lot of other places um yeah. which, which maybe I, the immediate indianapolis area <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know if this applies but i've always want i always wished like i lived somewhere with like deeper history yeah, you know, like, like I don't know, where like buildings were like hundreds of years old would be like pretty amazing, wouldn't it? And like it would really like change your like outlook on life. I feel. Yeah. Well, and, the, and that's... Got, I'm thinking like when I have gone to visit friends in in England and Surrey and stuff like yeah. that. Um, a friend of mine from high school, his father was actually, um, I think one of the the bishops of the Episcopal church here um, at Christ church. uh, And he lives in England now. Um, And, you know, the thing is, yes, there are, they have a significantly more history than the United States has, but it also, there's a church, every fucking place you turn around, like here, be like, there's an old schoolhouse from, you know, the 1800s. Let's preserve it forever. I'm like, that's every house that's like every church (laughs) it's like at least five six seven hundred years old so it's kind of old hat in a way Mm -hmm. um they don't get excited yeah people are god know the church again i'm like there's one in every town um (laughs) yeah like here we just like tear things down and make a new building yeah yeah well and even and even like not with buildings like but even i think with like culture and beliefs we do that and i like and here's the thing like here this movie made me think about something that i don't i don't have an answer to and i don't think there's an easy answer but like i see value in ritual and tradition and like tying yourself to the land you're on and tying yourself to your ancestors and the people who came before you and like i don't know just kind of having like a holistic belief system that uh you know that that wraps around you but can you have that without having ignorance and superstition and it leading to things like burning a dude in a wicker man? You know, like, I don't know. Can you have that? Can you, can you, can you have that kind of culture without it eventually like descending into like ignorance and superstition, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching like, like the death penalty is, is, is kind of similar to that. Think about it. Like, yeah, it's just like a ritual that we've, decided on as a culture that it seems well, normal now, yeah i mean like i'm i'm against it but but like it but it's normalized is like okay this person murdered someone so now we kill that person yeah 
Yeah. No, you're right. It's yeah. Weird. And and yeah, how is it like who, you know, the the whatever, the Mayans or the Aztec or whatever who like, you know, you sacrifice people to their gods like is that really that much different than you know, anything right. anything we're doing now today is like can you say that it's more barbaric or less civilized? Like I yeah. I, I don't know, right. you know. I mean, usually the, I would say almost less barbaric because at least then like the sacrifice was for the sake of you know, appeasing a god to, to um, yeah. you know, to help your crops grow. Not because <laughs> um, you're just bad. Uh, you're throwing away the trash. So, yeah. Right. Um, so it's more like I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, you know, you're sacrificing something, giving a part of your community to help uh, improve the conditions as opposed to um, you're just bad people. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's weird that that ritual sacrifice was probably like, I mean, not everyone was on board, right? Like, surely, but like the thing is, they they probably talked about not being on board in secret, just like we are right now. Not that we're in secret, but like, right? I, like, I just very like casually was like, "Yeah, I'm against the death penalty." But like, I think if, if we were like lobbing the heads off of people, I'd be like, "Can you believe this shit? Oh my god!" But back then, back then, people were probably like. It's probably not a great idea that we're just lopping the, the heads off of everybody, <laughs> right? Or, or maybe, or maybe, or, or you know, it could even be like, because uh, with the death sentence, like people will be like, oh, it's it's punishment. If you do a bad thing, then you get this thing. But like, so many people, like we know, a lot of people are wrongfully killed. We know a lot of people yeah. who have been executed are are innocent. So really, it's it's really just a way of keeping society in control you know what i mean like in the way that it's yeah. like if we kill this person this you know the gods will bless our crops and our crops will will grow and on this side you know we'll say we're saying if we execute somebody and give them a lethal injection society will be safe and will be protected and if we sacrifice these people we'll have justice and order and we'll be safe and it's i don't know i think i i think there's a level of superstition there too you know yeah, and I, I'm thinking back because I like Alexander Skarsgård and all the Viking movies. <laughs> Anything, <laughs> I I got a soft spot for uh, a dirty Viking. Um, and uh, but you know when you think about some of the sacrifices uh, in, in those times, and granted, my knowledge goes about as and, and research is as deep as watching the Vikings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. None of us are experts on this. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to pretend like. <laughs> Here I am, an expert on Norse mythology, but uh, yeah, I watch a lot of movies with Norse things in them, but I would imagine, um, and it might not be true, probably at that last moment, you're like, eh, but you know, the idea is if you do have that kind of faith that this is really what happens when you die, like I'm going to Valhalla, well, that's a pretty fucking awesome party. Um, You know, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to Valhalla, I'm going to be, you know, like super shield maiden for eternity now right. um you might be actually tempted to want it i mean i think some of those sacrifices were more willing yeah um, well yeah and that's and th- and that's the thing like it's it would definitely be more humane if somebody said yes we're going to sacrifice you but it's going to grow the crops it's going to feed people it's going to this beneficial whatever as opposed to like you know there's a low chance of this happening, but it has happened to plenty of people. If the cops burst in my door right now and they were like, Hey, we think you murdered this person. I'm like, no, I didn't do it. But there's plenty of people have been convicted and gone to death row 
uh, and they didn't do it. And in that case, you're being sacrificed. You're like, God damn it. This is pointless. Like nothing good is going to come of this. I'm just being killed for no reason and no good will come of this. You know, I, that's, that's yeah. the more inhumane thing. It seems like. Right. So some of those sacrifices initially don't seem necessarily as inhumane. Now I'm sure there were some cultures that would just like sacrifice and they didn't care who it was. <laughs> it might not have been so willing, but I mean, in some circumstances it is. Well, I mean, in the wicker man, he's not willing. No, no. <laughs> he's not asking for that. So, um, so yeah, he, he's probably not thinking about, well, I mean, in a way though, sort of, because they do bring up that point in the 73 version where you get to do something a lot of people don't get to do for your religion, which is be a martyr. That's, um, yeah. Like, aside from the fact Mother Teresa is not that great a gal, um, <laughs> and her, but, you know, in terms of, like, having modern saints, none of the modern ones are really martyred. Right. Um, so another reason I don't think Teresa should be getting her saint. <laughs> um, yeah, you know if, why if, wasn't Mother Teresa like a like a really nice lady? Oh, she was uh, would never divulge any of like the finances that were donated to her. Let people suffer because she just thought it would be better. Uh, well, would not use. Uh, yeah, she it, it, not a good person. Um, yeah. Not a, uh, allowed for a lot of unnecessary suffering. Um, well, I find that with like with Gandhi too. Like, appar oh. apparently he would be like, "Yeah, when I sleep, I need to test my faith and my resolve by sleeping in a bed full of like naked sixteen-year-old girls, just oh just just to prove that I'm not going to do anything." It's like, whoa, 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 like, yeah, you know, yeah. I feel like. I feel like there was like a lot of stuff that came out about oh this this is gonna sound awful and I, I, I hate saying it but like and let me know if I'm wrong but like <laughs> didn't like Martin Luther King have like a lot of like affairs and was he like a huge philanderer? I I I think he was, but then there was also a lot of information. I know the FBI was putting out a lot of information to try and like demonize him as well. So it's, it's hard okay. to tell. It's hard to tell. Like, pr I mean, probably, you know, he, he, he might've cheated on his wife. Um, yeah. but I can tolerate that a hell of a lot more than, uh, subjecting yeah. 15 year old girls to sleeping with an old man. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, handle, you know, I'm sorry, men cheating kind of old hat at this point. Um, you know, and I'm not as, I'd be pissed if I were his wife, but I mean, well, I'm, I'm not, sure he had women just throwing themselves at him. MLK was a great looking dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a man in, uh, you know, in a hot town message and he's passionate and like, Oh my goodness. You gotta spread that, share that. All right. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Di different different than like forcing a bunch of girls to like sleep naked in your bed, you know, like that's weird. Yeah, See, I knew I knew that Gandhi had that where like he would try to do celibacy and then like he would backtrack on it because he'd be like, oh, man, I, I messed up. I did, I did it again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's like there have been now zero days. <laughs> they just what if, yeah gandhi gandhi just has a board like zero <laughs> days because his wife and he was just yeah 
his own family. So, um, but, uh, that was a fun tangent, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, that's what Christopher Lee's character was, or, um, Lord Summerside was saying, like, you actually get to be, um, a martyr for your, you know, for your faith. And, um, and you, yeah, you get to test your ideals. You get to die a virgin. When we we tested you, you know, we had Britt Eklund dancing naked in the next room, and you. Or weirdly, <laughs> oh, that was the weirdest choreography. By the way, I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> well, and I and I remember I saw that scene before because uh, when we covered on our episode where we talked about Cabin on the, I'm sorry, Cabin in the Woods. Which uh-huh. is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. But something I read talked about how the woman in that movie, at one point she does like a seductive dance where she's dancing on the fireplace. And it pointed out that her her choreography is like very similar to Willow's song, to Willow's dance in The Wicker Man. So I was like, what is that? So I went, I, I like looked it up and I was like, oh yeah, that is it. That's like, yeah, she's moving very weird, you know? <laughs> it's kind of seductive. It's kind of like... If somebody told you to dance sexy and you were like 10 and didn't know what those words meant. And you right. Which, oh my so, God, that kind of, that reminds and me. Gandhi's like, yeah, that's exactly what I was wanting. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> oh no. God damn it. I'm talking about kids who don't know what this word means and you're not doing anything, but he, they hear the word sex and like, oh, okay, let me try that. Um, and- <laughs> you know what? That, that, that so reminds me of, you remember that scene in True Lies where, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in a room and, and Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't know it's him. She thinks it's some criminal and he's yeah. like, dance sexy. And like Jamie Lee Curtis is like trying to be seductive. Like she gets into it, like but it, it takes her a minute, you know? <laughs> oh, and she's gorgeous in that. Oh yeah. I, I love that movie. That, she that... slicks her hair back with like the, the, the vase, the vase water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that movie all around. That's that's just a fun movie all around. You know. Yeah, that's a great movie. Oh, that's funny that you mentioned that because before we we recorded, I was listening to the James Corden show, and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son was on it promoting a movie. Okay. And he has an American accent, but but like the way he talks looks like he's about to talk like his dad at any moment. <laughs> you know, he's like talking like a normal person, just like rattling off like, and then he's going to talk like this. It's so weird. Cause he's it's like, like his voice is just raspy enough. It's just about to go into that. <laughs> and I had never seen his son before. So it was kind of cool to see him talk. <laughs> oh, man. you know, one, one thing that's kind of a bummer about that, uh, the Willows song scene, I guess that actress, Britt Eklund, she agreed to do nudity from the waist up. She was comfortable with, but, uh, but they wanted to get the scene that they shot. So they waited till she was off set and they, they brought a body double in for her. They brought somebody else in and filmed the rest of that scene without her knowing. So she didn't know until she was watching the movie and they had those full body shots. And she was like, who the fuck is that? That's not me. Like, what the fuck is this? So I guess what you get, you know, uh, you know, unfortunate that they did her that like that, but you know, yeah. But then I, I, I didn't know this either. I guess this director, Robin Hardy, uh, he, I don't, he hasn't done much else besides this, but I guess he wrote a, a book that was kind of a sequel to this called Cowboys for Christ, uh, which he then adapted into a pseudo sequel to the Wicker Man called The Wicker Tree, uh, which Christopher Lee was also in. He had a cameo in that movie. 
So, but yeah, were there any other specific parts? Uh, anything you guys really enjoyed about, I mean, there's so much, especially I'm going to start talking about the 2006 version a little bit more now, but cause yeah. there's a lot of fucking wild shit that goes on in that movie. Well, I, I wish, I, man, I wish we could remember like some of the shit we said the first time we talked yeah. about it. Well, you know, fresh. I, so I, I copied my notes down. I've got, you know, so there's that first scene where he's trying to save this family, a woman and her daughter out of a car and the daughter keeps throwing her doll out the window. Yeah. So he yeah. goes to the middle of the road to get this doll and this semi truck just plows into the car and, uh, and he tries to save him and just fucking explodes. Right. Right. Um, but so then there's a scene where he's taking the ferry to the Island or, or wherever he's going. Uh, and he's like watching this girl standing on the, on the side of this boat and he just sees a, a semi truck, like, just like you know he's just hallucinating at this point but there's so many like so many lines so many like he gets to the island and these people are like carrying this bag it's like wiggling around and he's like what's in that bag is that a shark or something (laughs) obviously a shark yeah why why would it be a shark (laughs) um so then yeah as soon as he gets there he like like you said tracy starts throwing his dick around like tells everybody in the bar like this this is who I am. I'm in charge here. I've got authority. You know, he goes to the class and just like erases the blackboard from the teacher, which I thought this was interesting in the first, in the, in the 73 version, he opens the desk and there's a cockroach, uh, like tied to a screw, right? Like a cockroach on a leash in the, Oh, like a maypole. Oh, that's yeah. 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 You're probably yeah. right. And did you read the I, I I paused it so I could read what was on the chalkboard. <laughs> well, what was it? Um, I I wish I should have written it down, but it was all like um, different, like certain spirits or whatever, and there's all these just, like odd things that protect you from weird stuff <laughs> right all stuff you would learn in the school <laughs> yeah clearly yeah but i like man I, I once saw i once saw this website that that had pictures of um still shots of por- pornography okay of any time it's in a classroom and then like what's on the board and then it's like them it was it was them criticizing like equations and math that people had written on the chalkboard and saying like they're wrong and like, and like <laughs> and correcting their math. Nice. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> oh man. But there, there are just a couple lines in here that Nick Cage, Nick Cage delivers where it's like, like in his movie, when he opened the, the desk and a crow flies out. Right. Yeah. And he goes, he's like, what? <laughs> like what? You know, which I can see that being my reaction. And then the other scene is when he goes down to the dock and he falls asleep and he has that dream where his daughter Rowan is like drowning under the dock. So he goes down there to try and save her. And then he wakes up from his dream, but then the camera pans down and he's holding his drowned daughter. And he, so he wakes up again. It's a dream within a dream, but then he just stands up and he goes, God damn it. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, I get, that'd be my reaction too. <laughs> Uh, but then after that, there's that fun scene where he's like walking along in the woods and he goes to help that guy stack logs on a truck. Mm-hmm. And, and so he like throws a log up. The first log he throws, oh, right. 
then they like immediately all fall down and he barely saves that guy from getting crushed by logs. I was like, I was like, I don't just know. Walk, does he just like walk away? Yeah. And then he's done. And then he, yeah, he just like walks his bike away. <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah. And then he, he just goes and walks his bike into a beehive. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> But yeah, there's a, which he, he says early in the movie that he's allergic to bees. Um, and there's a lot of fun bee imagery here, you know, and, and, and kind of like sister summer's isle herself is kind of like the queen bee of this colony and the women are all in charge and the men are subservient. Um, but it was interesting in the first one, the 73 version, how their crops failed and it was their apples and shit that didn't. You know, because the, the guy's like eating all the food. He's like, is this out of a can? Why is all this food out of cans? I thought you guys were known for your produce. Um, and then in this in the Nick Cage version, it's their honey that's failed, right? They they didn't get any honey uh, because they're whatever, you know, honey crops have failed. So, but. I always thought it was kind of strange, too, that like there were palm trees in Scotland. <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where they filmed it at. That is it. Yeah, I wonder where they filmed it. The, you know, whatever it is they were trying to do was unnatural. Oh, that that's true. Yeah, yeah. Because Christopher Lee's whole family had been growing things there that weren't supposed to be growing there. Yeah. So, like, you know, Nick Cage goes to the, the woman's house. And there's, like, some weird imagery there where he finds, like, an a old dude, like, kind of a deformed old dude in Sister Summer Isle's bed. And then there's, like, a naked woman yeah. covered in bees. But, uh, oh, but so then there's the part where he goes down, he tries to like, he's like, I'm getting out of here. And he goes down and I think his plane has been sabotaged and he finds the pilot and the pilot's been murdered and he's got like leaves and sticks and shit shoved in him. Like he's obviously been turned into a scarecrow, but Nick Cage is like shaking him. (laughs) Like he's going to wake him up. You know, I was like, bro, he's not, he's not getting up. He's done for. (laughs) Yeah. But then, you know, you've got Ellen Burstyn from The Exorcist and Requiem for a Dream as Sister Summer's Isle. You know, she was great. Uh, you know, Lily Sobieski in this movie. Yeah, and, she's cool. Yeah, and I thought this was interesting. The director, Neil LeBute, his movie, Your Friends and Neighbors, was the first movie reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. Interesting. No. I think I just felt that... 2006 version was very uh i don't know it just felt misogynistic right out of the gate to me mm-hmm. um and i think just the removal from time wise from the 73 version just felt more kitsch uh and lighthearted because i think you know they're playing like you know here comes the sun sounding music <laughs> yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, it just didn't quite work as well. And I think I think we talked about this last time we tried to record, uh, but Brent and I, at least, we watched the, whatever it was, the rated, the the regular version, which in the, in that, in the movie, I was waiting the whole time for the scene, which, which has become a meme, which is the bees being poured in this cage. And Nick Cage is like, no, not the bees, not the bees. And, and that's only in the unrated version. We didn't even get that in the movie we saw. Right. Yeah, apparently was that's only in the unrated version. Was, What's up? I don't know. I can't remember if there was like a reason for that or... Yeah, I think maybe they were like trying to get a softer rating because like at, at that point yeah. they, they break his legs, which is pretty like gruesome. 
I mean, you know, it's pretty graphic. And then they pour the bees on his head. So I think maybe it was a rating thing. Maybe they were trying. I don't know what. What was it rated? Was it rated R or was it rated PG thirteen? I'm sure it was R. But it seems like after you break someone's legs, that's like you can't really go higher than that, other than like just like systematically stabbing him to death. You know, I mean, bees all over his face. They did it earlier in like that that kind of psychedelic scene with the dude in the bed and the lady with the bees on her face. Yeah, they just weren't stinging her, I guess. Yeah, so it was it was PG thirteen. So I think they probably oh, wow. they probably cut those scenes to try and keep it from an R rating. Yeah, which is True. yeah, which that was the one thing I was looking forward to. Was <laughs> I know. It's yeah, it's the icing on the cake. <laughs> nice. Well, before we get into head cannons, was there any other anything else we we didn't talk about in either of these movies? Any scene you want to go over or uh, anything specific we didn't cover? I don't think so. No. I think it was a good recap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I'm glad. Yeah, it's weird to be going back over a movie when we've already like kind of tried to record. But it was, I, yeah, it's a good idea to 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 also tie in the '73 version to compare and contrast. So kind of keep it fresh. Next week we're going to be covering 1986's The Fly. So be sure to check that out before next week. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Head Cannon, on Instagram at Head Cannon Pod on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, I highly recommend checking out this year's Indie Fringe show. My The group I helped co-found, Defiance Comedy, they're doing a... I've read the script, it's really funny, uh, but they're doing The Ballad of Blade Stallion. So if you're able to get to the Indie Fringe Festival, the end of August, beginning of September, check out Defiance Comedy's The Ballad of Blade Stallion. Awesome. Well, do you guys have headcanons for one or both movie? I think I've got a headcanon for each one I could do. Okay. You want to go first and do one, and then I'll, I could do one. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could just go back and forth and alternate. So, um, Yeah, I'll go. So for the first one, there's that scene where... He goes to the doctor's office or the doctor's cottage or whatever. And the doctor didn't play as much of a role in the 73 version, but she like puts that frog in that girl's mouth and, yeah. and she's like, here, he has your sore throat now, you know? So my head canon was just that like, you can give, you can do that with any frog, um, but you can give your frog stuff like your addiction Right. So then your frog just like always wants to drink or like you, you, you're this frog is a smoker and you no longer have the urge to smoke, you know, Yeah. or even like a procrastination. Like, you know, you put things off for too long. You could give that to a frog. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, lazy frog, not doing anything. Yeah. Hopping. Hop, yeah. Hopping's for the birds. <laughs> or like a, uh, or like a bad sense of humor or daddy issues. Even you could give to your, you know, just any, anything you could just give it. You were saying that's how frogs get their croak. <laughs> Damn it. That's perfect, Tracy. I should have. Yeah. <laughs> I missed it. I just been stealing the crops of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, that's my headcanon. Just a world in which you can just give any ailment to a frog, you know? Yeah. Okay. Now, you could just give, like, you know, a. a, a Put a little baby bunny in your mouth or something. <laughs> It'll take the wiggles out of you. I don't know. <laughs> Give it. Oh yeah, maybe there's a specific animal for eat, like depending on what you have, you have yeah. to use a different animal. Yeah. 
I like that. Yeah, that's funny. Do you think if you put a gerbil in your mouth, Tracy, you wouldn't have to get a colonoscopy tomorrow? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I would do anything. I know. I feel so bad for you. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, there are worse things in life, but oh, oh, think about how I can eat any piece of shitty food tomorrow, and it's gonna taste like Thanksgiving to me. Yeah, there you go. I'm so hungry. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh, I would hate anything like that. Or maybe like, or Gandhi could like put a duck in his mouth, right? And then he wouldn't be so like, uh, rapey. <laughs> He'd just give that. <laughs> Everybody could put ducks in their mouths and they could have those lips without doing that Kendall better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, give them, give them your duck lips. <laughs> All right, Brent. Well, what do you got? Uh, what do you got for a head cannon? Well, I was thinking like the Nicolas Cage version. Um, he goes to the island, but under like, but he's got like a different idea of how to infiltrate it, and so he really—it's just really like twenty uh, twenty-one Jump Street, and he he he, he plays a, he plays one of the children, one of the students in the classroom trying to figure out. <laughs> Not, yeah, I love it. And he sits at the desk. He sits at the desk with the crow. Right. <laughs> and he's like, he's like so much smarter than the kids because like he, he's, he's been educated, you know? Right. But because of that, he like gets everything wrong. Right. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. oh man. And I... So they burn him anyway. <laughs> like, you offer nothing to this society yeah they're like we don't know who you are how you got here but you're burning you don't go to this high school you don't you don't go here (laughs) oh man nobody likes you (laughs) nicholas cage he wicker mans himself (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah yeah and they're like you know one out of four teenagers are wicker man do you know you've got a (laughs) it's an epidemic on the island it's like I was, I was in the football team at my old school. And they're like, no, you weren't. And they're like, we we don't even have football here. We would we would never do anything We're, so barbaric. So like, that's Stacy over there. She's she's the lead. She's the she's the head of the Maple team. <laughs> she's got she's got her Maple like letter jacket. She's the captain. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay thinking like because in both of them the wicker man has like all these other sacrifices in them and i was like what if that were like a really fucked up no though like how big <laughs> that wicker man would have to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah huge like the titanic of wicker man yeah <laughs> whoa yeah, but they're like they're like this wicker man. It's built in such a way where it'll never burn. It'll it's not susceptible. And then immediately the first it just like the first night it immediately just burns down. It, it hits a firebird. It's, yeah. Fireberg, right ahead. Yeah. They're like, what? That's, there's not even there's not that's not there's no such thing as firebergs. <laughs> like Nicholas Cage is like, I can fit, I can fit on this wooden door. I can do it and it just burns. <laughs> They're like, could yeah, couldn't you have just gotten on the door? Oh man. All right, like, well, why then... like why not like rattan or um 
Oh yeah, they they just go through like a uh, like a three little pigs scenario. Like there's a man, a man like a straw man, and then you get the wicker man, and then there's like the brick man, you know. But then it becomes a little more Goldilocks. Like ah, this one's just right. Yeah, this yeah. one's just right. <laughs> Set it on fire. Oh no. I mean, I I oh, I feel like I saw a comic or something that was like uh, the fourth little pig. They were like, the fourth little pig's home is made out of wolf skulls. Now, it's not as sturdy, but it sends a message. You know? <laughs> yeah. I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty good. I like That's it. That's good. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got one more can- headcanon. I, I said this before, but maybe you guys won't remember it. Uh, for the 2006 version. So there's a female bee and she gets summoned to another hive. Right. So she's got to go. There's a a missing bee. So she's got to go to this other hive to investigate. But she gets there and it's all technological. Like instead of a a matriarchal bee society, they've got this like corrupt system run by men. They've got a president and like kind of a a democracy, but it's like a crony democracy. Um, And instead of real honey, they've got like synthetic honey. And so she's like investigating in this other hive. But eventually she finds out that she's been lured there to be sacrificed and she eventually gets scooped up and dropped into a a cage mask that's been put around the head of this man. And she's, her legs are, (laughs) her legs are broken and she's dumped onto the head of Nick cage. Uh, and so, (laughs) so they're both sacrificed together. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) You're right. I don't remember that. And it's been great the second time. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad you didn't remember. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, I was telling Brent uh Tracy, I am going to go watch the new Miss Marvel, which just dropped on Disney Plus today with my family. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but yeah. is there anything you want to plug? Anything you've got upcoming? Do we know yet if Lady Bits is going to be an ongoing thing or we don't know that yet? There is gonna be another Lady Bits. Um watch uh, on Facebook, Betty Brady. Production. Callie Burke is the producer uh, so if you follow her on Facebook or Instagram uh, it's Betty Rage Productions Betty Rage um, Productions, nice me, I, uh, I'm actually pretty booked for the rest of the year um, after this uh, in July I'll start uh, rehearsals for uh, at, at um, Fonseca Theater uh, on the Side Hawville area of Indianapolis, um, doing Tiger Style. Um, nice. Once again, uh, lucky to be one of the few Asian actors in Indianapolis. <laughs> this, yeah. Oh, we did talk about this before. Yeah, it's just yeah. you and Adam Tran, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Whatever, I don't care. I whatever gets me to being the next uh, Margot Martindale, I will do. Uh, so I get to play. Uh, I'm kind of living so so part of being middle-aged means you have to do shit like colonoscopies and mammograms right Mm. but um you know since I didn't come into theater until well into my late 30s 40s um you know I never got tempted to do all the ingenue stuff because I'd already aged out of it um but I'm really embracing the middle-aged sort of character actor work because there's a lot less memorization because the parts aren't so big (laughs) yet you know sometimes they're a little bit more memorable like you know crazy rich Asians my favorite part was Aquafina. <laughs> it was hilarious. 
serious. Um, so I'm kind of leaning into that a little bit. And so Tiger style is very similar. Um, I, it's a, about a brother and sister who are, you know, third generation Americans and they go back to, to China to, I don't know, figure out what, where everything went wrong. I don't know. Um, but I get to play uh, Ian also, uh, who was in the IRT show with me. Um, we are once again married, but also we get to play all the other supporting role characters in that. And it, and it, and it's pretty funny. So I'm looking forward to doing something like that. Nice. Um, and then it's, um, uh, doing a bunch of stuff for fringe and uh yeah there's a lot of stuff coming though but that's that, that's what's coming up next awesome yeah well, did fringe last year what's that did fringe the fringe fest did that happen last year it did happen last year um you know fewer theaters and i think some of them were outside yeah. uh, as okay. well. um so yeah it's happening uh, again it's under new management um and for anybody in the Indianapolis area, uh, I, I recommend looking into Lady Bits. Unfortunately, I'm up here in the Chicago area, was not able to see the show. But pretty much, uh, I I knew I know almost all of the women who took part in it, and it's all of like the the funniest, like my favorite women actors in Indianapolis. So I can't imagine it's not a it's not a great show. So. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and you know, there's usually a little. I think the one that the thing that wasn't in the last one, in the first one, um, well, Frankie Bolda is going to be moving to Los Angeles. Okay. Um, so we got uh, one last performance from Frankie, who is a, amazing talent. She's going to be a huge loss to the Indianapolis theater community. Yeah. Um, but she, oh, yeah, yeah, Frankie's great. Fox like this. <laughs> <laughs> Funny we, yeah, we had her, we had her and her uh, boyfriend, fiance, husband. Are they married? I'm Tyler. What is uh, it? Uh, boyfriend, Tyler. Boyfriend. Tyler. Yeah, we had we had them uh, both on both on their. They each had their own episode, but yeah, they're because uh, we we both we've known Frankie for for uh, ever, obviously. Um, yeah. And then it was fun. Her her boyfriend was a lot of fun too. That was a fun episode. He is he is fantastically talented and just such a. a, a great energy of a guy to be around as well but she and kelsey for this last lady bit um they had um uh, a little duo uh that they called themselves toby queef and uh <laughs> that's hilarious delightful uh kelsey on the cello um oh, it was it was fantastic that sounds that's awesome a- Kelsey, Kelsey Van Vorst, I imagine. Yes, yes, yes. Kelsey Van Vorst. Nice. Who's also been on our, our show? Indianapolis Van Vorst. Of the, yeah, the Indianapolis Van Vorst. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you again, Tracy. Thanks for coming on. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I, I, you know, I'm I'm bummed that we didn't record the first time we tried to do this and that it got corrupted. But uh, I'm glad we went and and visited the 1973 version of Wicker Man and and got to talk about both of them. So. No, I mean I'm I'm glad for that too because I that was a really delightful movie and I'm really glad I saw it. I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Yeah, yeah, same. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. So, well, well thanks awesome. so much for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks, thanks for coming on. We'll definitely do it again. And thank you, everyone at home, for listening. This has been Head Cannon. Ah! Oh,